Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>to the super pod hero cast guys with beers talking about movies with capes patreon bookends edition i'm casey ryan and i'm todd panic and we watch maximum, maximum overdrive. overdrive oh yeah we did hey you know how we always joke about how much cocaine was uh snorted while we're talking about some crazy movies oh. this literally literally was made <laughs> yeah. Yes. On cocaine. Um, yes. Stephen King has come out and said he was out of his mind on cocaine when he made this movie. So so you shared that quote with me before. And I congratulations, will say, question yeah. mark. <laughs> As I was looking up um, background information on the movie, I probably found that quote three or four mo- more times without even trying. Oh, he's very open about why this movie is bad. Yeah, like yeah. he doesn't mince words to the point where people are like, "Do you want to try your hand at a uh, at a directing again?" He's always like, his answer is always, "Have you seen Maximum Overdrive?" <laughs> yeah, at least yep. he knows. It's like yeah, Clooney apologizing anyone uh, mentions Batman to him. He automatically so, just goes, "I'm sorry." <laughs> so there is a book, uh, Hollywood's Stephen King by Tony Magistrate. I think this is the quote. Uh, <laughs> So from this book, the prop, this is Stephen King directly. The problem with that film is that I was coked out of my mind all through its production. And I really didn't know what I was doing as the director of the film. Mm-hmm. I learned a lot from the experience, however, and I would like to try directing again sometime. Maybe I'll direct Gerald's game. <laughs> oh God, not Gerald's game. Did you watch that? Uh, That's on Netflix. Is that the one where she's handcuffed to the bed and he has a heart attack? <sighs> Yeah, yeah. You know, 
I want to talk about different horror scenarios because I feel like they, f- I feel like there are some categories and I'm intrigued by this category. So the problem is I understand he's trying to go for a comedy aspect, but the parts that I laughed at, he was not trying to be funny with. In Gerald's game? Oh no no! In this. in this. Oh, in this. Oh, in this. no, no. Yeah. Oh, this. Yeah. Let's. Okay. So let's. Let's see. Let's. Let's get. Let's get to this because <laughs> I want to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, first and foremost, since we are guys with beers talking about movies with capes, what are we drinking? So our beer for this evening's movie comes to us from our usual place, Branching Out Bottle Shop, the finest beer selection in the greater Syracuse, New York area. It's close to both of us over in Township 5 and Camilla's here. Walked in this afternoon. All of our favorite friends were working. Carissa, Joel, and of of course, Barley, the greatest shop dog. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this movie has a number of real accessible themes. So I went in there figuring if I spent five minutes looking for beer, I would have been surprised. And I was probably (laughs) about 90 seconds. And I was like, yep, there it is. So we've got a New York beer. So Hamburg, New York is just south of Buffalo, um, kind of on the shores of Lake Erie there. So we're drinking a beer from Hamburg Brewing Company. Uh, They have been in around less than 10 years, 2013. They've got a production brewing brewing facility complete with an alluring tap room and patio. Uh, Go visit them in Hamburg, New York. Beer's so good, it's hard to drink responsibly, but they highly recommend it. So um, one of the clear themes of this movie are the the vehicles, the trucks that hold our protagonist hostage. So... Uh Uh, Our beer is a dry hop lager with Citra. It is Hamburg Brewing Company's delivery driver. That's right. Got a really nice kind of colorful can here. Super fun can. Like, uh, you dropped this off today, and I was like, oh, what? Oh, 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 I get it. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, I'm I'm going Now, the the double dry hopped, it's going to have some... uh, some crispness to it, and these hops are going to come through, and I can already smell them. Oh, yeah. Now, full disclosure, it is a 80-degree day here, so yeah. we were we just were at the uh, playground, and then uh, of course the bean was like, is the ice cream store still open? Yes, nice. it is. So, nice. I have uh, it is uh, Peter's Polar Parlor. Yep. Um, favorite place to go. Sure. They have a blackberry red raspberry twist. <laughs> it's so good, but I don't know how well it's gonna mix with the spear first couple of sips. So, well, I guess we'll find out, buddy. <laughs> hey, this is our season three of Patreon premiere. So, cheers! Cheers, brother. Oh, that is lovely. Yeah, it's a lager. Mm-hmm. A little more flavorable. It's a uh, 7%, 7% alcohol by volume. Um, that's a good beer. That's really drinkable. The citra at the end is really nice. Yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like this is one of those beers that sneaks up on you, though. So, you know, uh, drink or beware. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's <laughs> take it easy. We don't want to get yeah, yeah. drunk like Pat Hingle in this movie. All right, so there's no reshoots and reactions. Uh, right. Character background. So this is based on a Stephen King short story, I believe. Yeah. 
I think it's I think it's just a short story. I don't think it's really a full. Yeah. So yeah. So in his first collection of short stories, Night Shift, he published the story Trucks, a short story, and that's what this movie is based on. And I'll be honest with you, it feels so. It's a long movie. I think it's an hour thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. But it feels it, like a three-hour movie. It it feels longer, and yet it should have been probably a. 45 minute movie like it's it's i know a specific spot where this movie could have started and stuff that could have been cut out that could have yeah made this uh an hour long uh like on tv thing it's yeah it's it's too long for it it, it's too long for tv as it is Mm -hmm. and yet uh there's not enough content to fill the time it takes it's just it's off in a couple different ways. Um, it's you reference like the director was cocaine out of his mind. <laughs> yeah. And you know, you're getting really like maximum Stephen King. Cause obviously he writes the short story trucks. He writes the, yeah, he adapts that into the screenplay and then he directs it. So you've got no one saying, Hey, uh, third <laughs> act feels weak or, is there a third act? You know, like, <laughs> you know, so there's like two uh, and a half acts to this movie. It's ooh, you're and you're giving you're you're being generous with that half that you're throwing in there. <laughs> it's yeah, it's weird. But um, so Stephen King, I mean, it's this movie comes out in '86, which is odd because the opening, cr- uh, not a crawl, but the opening like title text references '87. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they're trying to scare us yeah that's 100 percent what he was doing but uh i mean stephen king stephen king (laughs) do you you, do you want to talk about anything production related no no i don't i todd Uh, i barely want to talk about this movie (laughs) okay that's fair all right so a couple other things bits of housekeeping so um nine million dollars uh budget for this movie which oh i did not do my i like my conversion how much of that was that for the trucks, I wonder? Listen, not that much because... Uh, oh, I don't know. That that uh, the Green Goblin one, that was... Yeah, but so um, in t- today's dollars, that is... Uh, where's my number here? Give me just give me the dollar. It is okay. So a nine million, so uh, nine million dollars in '86 is worth about twenty-one million dollars today. So two and a third ish. Um, so you know we're in a, a low twenty million dollar movie, which I mean honestly, you've got other than the drawbridge and some. B-roll highway footage. Uh-huh. Um now actually that I take it back. It's not even highway, it's like county county routes. It's not an so, interstate or highway. I've been to Williamton, North Carolina. Wilmington. I've been yeah. to this yeah, Wilmington, sorry. Yeah, I've been to this. We we vacationed right in, uh we stayed in Wilmington, but we spent most of our time in the next town over called Wrightsville. There's a lot of stuff that's filmed down in, in this area of North Carolina. But in terms of filming it, you would, you, I mean, it's a tight production. Almost everything happens in 
you know, oh, I see what you're saying. I was yeah. nondescript country, you know, rural area. Right. Aside from it in the beginning, showing the bank of Williamton and saying Williamton, North Carolina, and patting. That's why I said Wilmington. No, you, you keep saying Wilmot, Williamton. <laughs> Wilmington. Um, they uh, and Pat Hingle mentioning the North Carolina because of the all the cons he has working for him. Right. This movie, yeah, this could be East. This could be you know Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, and it and it's not even like it takes place in urban you know urban city center wilmington it's rural i mean that could be anywhere that could have been a smoking the bandits uh stage i just don't understand why it doesn't take place in castle rock yeah i i wonder yeah I, so I because castle rock any... is a harbor town and you know they get away in the end spoiler for the end of this terrible sure. movie they get away on a boat but We'll get to why that's a ginormous I, I, problem when we get to it. I wonder if, do you think, so, uh, I, you know, I grew up, you know, I, I grew up in the era of Stephen King, um, yeah. but I'm not a Stephen King expert. I wonder, like, was this him rejecting, was he trying to reject his New England main roots, try to be more Mainstream I'm trying to think of any something? any other movie that came out in this time that didn't take place in uh in New England. I mean Sure. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a it's a mystery to me. Um but in any event, so the nine million dollars and eighty six um for the budget, the box office, <laughs> do you want to guess at what the box office was? Seven million. Seven point four million. So that's uh, roughly equivalent to, say, a seventeen million dollar return uh, against aye, aye, that twenty one uh, budget. Yeah, and and sadly, I believe that is roughly how much domestically um, Tenet has made. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, I mean, stupid. I'm aware of it. The it's, word you're looking not, for, stupid. It should I'm just not, be released on VOD. Yeah. Oh, oh, you mean that's in theaters in places where there are theaters? Yep. Oh, I Seven, totally missed. 17, it might be up to 21 now, but it was, the last time I checked, it was hovering in the mid, the uh, high teens in you know, millions. I, I know that Christopher Nolan is obviously a um, cinephile, right? And he <laughs> yes. wants movies to be seen in the movie theater. So I, I wonder if that is him like exerting his very powerful. Uh, oh, absolutely. And in, Warner in Brothers, right? And Warner Brothers bowed right to it. They were like, okay, yeah, sure. We'll hold it. Cause it, it got pushed four times and then they waited for a couple theaters to open. They're like, okay, it's, it's being released because it, and don't I recall be, that's also because it was released internationally. Right. And he was concerned. It's a Nolan movie. So there's going to be some twist, I, my assumption is he's concerned that, you know, the twist gets out and people don't care. I think that's it. I, I haven't heard any. You know what I've heard is that it is lacking any feeling. Oh. Which is, for you to actually point that out in a Christopher Nolan film is a big deal. <laughs> um, and that it's not very good. Yeah, That it's just confusing and pretentious. And I'm like, so we're so we just having. We just have Inception again. Is that what we've got going on here? See, I like Inception. Ugh, good for you. <laughs> I you, did. 
TSPHC I, Army. Casey literally rolled his eyes at me, which. <laughs> Do you know what you. my favorite? You know what my favorite Chris Nolan movie is. It's not a secret. No, it's The Prestige. Damn straight it is. Because and you're not wrong. That's a, the that's fucking a, best movie ever movie. made. Um, all right. So, yeah, not a commercial success. And finally, nope. do you want to take a guess? Oh, or do you recall from when we looked it up? Um, IMDb score for this movie. Is it in the fives? 5.5. Oh. So, so, again, everybody involved in this movie went on to IMDb and gave it a nice score. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Joseph sits down to watch it. Um I've lured him in with it's a it's a bad eighties horror movie, but it should be fun to watch. I think I probably screwed him over there. Um, so we're getting down, we're getting ready to press play. I'm getting my documents set up. I'm, you know, grabbing just a couple of key facts I need to kind of ground myself. 86, the budget, the IMDB, and Joe goes, What is the score? I said 5.5. He goes out. What does that mean? I go 5.5 out of 10. He goes, oh. He goes, are there any one movies? I was like, yes. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there are. We haven't watched any yet, thank God. He goes, are there any 10 movies? I said, well, I don't know. There, I'm aware of any 10s, but there's some high 9s. So, I think uh, Toy Story is like 9. Point, Toy Story 3 is like 9.9. Sure. Like high 9s. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah it's, yeah, it's right there. And it's just people getting on there and being like, I don't want this to be a 100% movie. It sucks. Yeah. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, that's about all I got to say. There were no almost cast because I I doubt Stephen King learned the names of these actors. He just called <laughs> them by their character names. Uh, hey, one last thing. I mean, I feel like we've alluded to it. Should probably, before we dive into this, let's just go, let's just restate. This is our bookends season. We've got three genres. For each genre, we're going to watch two movies. Yeah, the I, best and the worst. Mm-hmm. Of course, because you eat your vegetables before you have your dessert, we're watching the worst first. We had a number of responses from our Patreon supporters and, uh, and on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. We drew and we got for our worst horror movie, Maximum Overdrive. And oh boy, did we, I mean, we went big. Let's, we uh, you went know, with fucking big. W- would you say Comet big? Oh, you son of a bitch. Okay. Uh, so let's roll the film. We open with a ridiculous text about that this comet, we're going to be caught in the wake of it. Is that what it is? On June 19, 1987, at 9.47 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, the Earth passed into the extraordinarily diffuse tail of Ray M, a rogue comet. According to astronomical calculations, the planet would remain in the tail of the comet for the next eight days, five hours, 29 minutes, and 23 seconds. Over this really cheesy planetary model oh, yeah. of the Earth with a green haze. That's the, the like green haze. On the... Do you know what a rogue comet is? So my assumption would be somehow it's a comet that's broken loose of its orbit. It's 100% what it is. Yep. Is okay. that what it is? Yep. Yeah, It's it because every comet has an orbit. Sure. But rogue comets just go wherever they want to go. I don't think that's a thing. Todd. <laughs> It's not a thing. It's 100, a rogue comet is 100% a thing. 
I mean, they have the orbit that they have as the comet gets closer to a star. Oh, sure. Something throws it off, but it does not, like Halley's Comet, it doesn't do the same loop or whatever. It goes one way, and it's got some sort of pull. I don't think that's a thing. You know guns. I know space. I I would let's can we get a ruling from the outside? I don't think a rogue comet is a real thing. Is is not really a real Holy thing. Holy lord. Yes, please. Let's everybody write in and tell Todd how wrong he is. Even if you're not an expert, look it up and send him the information. I mean, comets orbits change over time. This idea that all of a sudden it takes a left turn at Albuquerque. No, I it's don't not think like it's going thing. along and all of a sudden it pumps the brakes and takes a skid. Yeah. It just has a it doesn't have a set trajectory. That's all it is. See, well, see, I just I don't I don't well I, I think you disagree it, I on think, something you know nothing about. I, I just want to point this out. I, I do. <laughs> I just want to point I out that know. I know what a rogue comet is. I'm telling you what it is. You don't, and yet you're disagreeing with me. I just want to make sure that that's where we're at in the podcast. <laughs> I welcome another voice oh, of science. Okay. I do not think that... I, I don't think that... Ro- tell you how wrong they are. Hey, uh, what's your Twitter handle so they can just... Yes, it's at... TMP in SYR, hit us up with hashtag rogue comic. Rogue comic. Yeah, not rogue comic. Not rogue or not rogue comic. Oh, you said comic? Rogue oh, comic. Okay. I thought you said rogue comment. Yeah. yeah, I. Special Forces, we just started drinking. Just don't think that you we skipped ahead <laughs> and we're blitzed right now. Uh, so, who do we see right here at the beginning of the movie? Well, we've got good old Stephen King in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, totally oblivious to the bank, the electronic bank sign over the entrance that says, fuck you. Yeah. And that's weird. So, like, there's this weird thing of what are they there to do? Like, later in the movie, yeah. Emilio Estevez and um, uh, What's-Her-Face are kind of talking about what Brett, Brett what Brett. they're there to do, what all these, why all these machines are attacking. It seems like they're the pre-defense to another alien race coming or something. It's one of the things to mm-hmm. deposit. But this saying, fuck you, and then the ATM saying repeatedly, you're an asshole. I'm like, this just seems like mean. This just doesn't seem like we're here to do a job. This seems vindictive. And so already... We are muddying the waters on what this movie is. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Pretty brave of uh, Stephen King to have that upshot where we could see up his nose because there might be a little the white, stuff, white stuff hanging out of there. <laughs> Some uh, mm-hmm. candy boogers here. Yeah. As he walks up to the ATM, he's called an asshole, and we get ACDC playing. Honey, come on over here, sugar buns. This machine just called me an asshole. That was the one actual joke in the movie that I laughed at. That was clearly comedic. There's a moment coming up in a second. I laughed out loud and went, oh, I probably wasn't supposed to laugh at that. Boy, let's see. I I feel like there's, I feel like if there's laughter in this movie, it's entirely uh, unexpected. So let's let's roll in and see where that is. So next shot, we're at the uh, drawbridge and the guys are inside. One guy is fully digging in his nose like <laughs> the young guy to right? the point where i want the guy to be like could you not i'm right here like if you got a little something you just gotta go like this sure. i mean he's ugh, it was playing cards it wasn't a pick it was an itch so we're watching this and and of course i had to pause that opening screen so i could just type the text mm-hmm. and joe's watching me he goes do we ever pass through a, a comet's tail i go yeah the comet's tails are huge uh, yeah, we 
yeah, we can pass through them. You probably shouldn't let them know about the asteroid that's coming really close to us in like two weeks. Yeah, it's, it's close but, is a relative term. Yeah. Sure. But it's the closest but, one has come in a long time. Well, he his question was, um, does anything happen if we pass through the tail of a comet? I said, not unless you're in the movies. And then I was like, oh, I've got some other movies that I w- really want to watch with you that involve a comet. So I turned to him and I go, listen, when a comet passes, you know, when a comet passes by in the movies, it's going to be a bad thing. So just just know that going in. Always. Um, and uh, cocaine is the best way to describe this movie. It's just so bonkers. Yeah. This whole bridge uh, scene where the bridge comes up while people are on it and car and, you know, the motorcyclist goes uh, flying back because it's tilting so high. Uh, right. The thing that watermelon I laughed, wreckage, the watermelon <laughs> wreckage. The thing that I laughed at really hard is one like the station wagon that comes down and the woman goes yeah. flying through the window. I I just went, that's funny and it's not supposed to be. That woman is probably dead. You know, we, we've referenced this a few times, but the aesthetics of an episode of Chips, the TV show, <laughs> right? Like you could always tell the cars that were going to be involved in the accident on the highway because they looked significantly older than the cars around them. Sure. Um, and I had a little bit of that feeling with the drawbridge. I was like, none of these are 1986 model, uh, you know, automotive automobiles. I bet you all of them didn't run. They just popped the clutch or popped the emergency brake and just yeah. went, okay, have fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I I feel like so I feel like most of the budget, other than cocaine, went to like automobile and truck chassis, right? Like hey, yeah. a lot, and explosions, right? and explosions, right? So many explosions. <laughs> a lot of gasoline, a lot of gasoline. So, long story short, um, if you if you weren't clued into the fact that the passing through the tail of the comet was going to be a problem for us. Um, in an evil twist on Transformers, the machines on Earth have come alive sure. and apparently hate us. Well, so in, the, in Transformers, they're not actually machines. They're right, right. Aliens. Just yes, sorry. They're point. robots in disguise, some might say. So as the two goobers are playing, are they playing cards, I think? Yeah. Clearly derelict in their duties, the mechanism for the drawbridge engages, starts coming up before the bridge is clear. Oh, yeah. Chaos ensues. People, trucks fall into the water. Chaos. Chaos. Then we get where we're going to be for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yes, yes. And the antagonist, who has a who has a face, which oddly, I don't know how I feel about this. I, the fact that it is 100% the Green Goblin? Well, yeah, that's just funny to me. That's, you know, it's 100% how, the Green Goblin. How did they get away with it? How much money did they uh, pay Marvel? Well, at this point, probably nothing. I'll bet you Marvel didn't own the rights to the Green Goblin at this point. It's 86. Ooh, that's a good point. Stan Lee had been out in Hollywood at that point for, what, 10 years, 15 years, trying to yeah. you know make Marvel that's movies. True. And instead, all he was able to do was basically license the characters into movies or, or sell the, the movie rights. So, no, what's odd to me is most of the enemies are, are motor vehicles. Mm-hmm. So the drawbridge is an exception. The the uh, the electric carving knife is an exception. So it's the machines, but the thing is, and I, now we're delving into how did this get made territory yeah, this, because they one hundred percent had this conversation when uh, Deke is uh, bicycling to the diner later in the film, and all the sprinklers yep. keep coming on. Is a sprinkler a machine? 
I don't think so. Um, we also see a soda machine at Deke's Little League. Mechanical. Field. That makes sense. Right. I mean, technically Mechanical, the definition yeah. of a machine is a device that makes a job easier. So, yes, a sprinkler is a machine, but it's not mechanical. It is powered by the water moving it. Most sprinklers simply are just by the water. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think a sprinkler is a machine. So by definition, right. so it is. Yeah. You're using you're using well, you're using machine like the classical yes. ramp pulley, right? Like the classic I mean, machine. It's a machine um, technically. I don't. Th- are we going to have this argue? It's a tool. Okay, it's a tool. I'll I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> No, this is going to be the most pedantic episode of the podcast. <laughs> we can't talk about the movie. I mean, what are we going to talk about? I mean, podcast uh, over, right? Fuck. So, no, here here's the here's the this point I'm going far too far afield to get to. Let me tighten it up. There's a few exceptions, the drawbridge, the electric carving knife, the soda machine. Otherwise, the enemies are mainly motor vehicles. Mostly trucks because they're big. Mostly trucks, right? Um, a, a Jeep with an M60 mounted machine gun on yeah, it. Yeah, it's just like a right? flatbed. It's the weirdest thing. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but with the exception of, you know, the handful of items, everything is a everything's mm-hmm. a truck. Just a caterpillar bulldozer too, yeah. Oh, that's right, that, right. Um, but why put a face... So I almost feel like it under like having the face on it. I like that seems intentional. Like, are they trying to make that truck a character? Yes. And so it's got to have a face. Is that the because it just seems out of place because everything else looks yeah. normal. Like I've never seen a truck like that in my life. So you've seen the movie Duel, correct? The TV movie? Uh I probably saw Duel around the last time I saw this movie. (laughs) Every time I've seen this movie, I'm like, now knowing there's cocaine involved, maybe they're like, what if we took Duel but amped it up? Like, you know how James Cameron got Aliens greenlit? Um, Well, I know know he was famously sued and lost uh, by Harlan Ellison. That too. But when he went to his pitch at uh, Fox, he walked up to the whiteboard, wrote Alien. Pause for a second, put an S, pause for a second, looked at them, made the S a dollar sign, put down the dry erase. Oh, alien. He's like, well, alien did so well, it was one. What if we put a bunch? We'll make a lot of money. I mean, it's got to be the quickest and ballsiest pitch of all time. Oh, that's ridiculous. You referenced Duel, 1971 action movie written by Richard Matheson, who... It's also the, the directorial debut of Steven Spielberg for a feature film. It's TV. It's not a feature film. Oh, it was only TV? Yep. Oh, distributed by Universal Pictures. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, oh, yeah. it was just a TV, but it is terrifying, and you never see the truck driver in it. Sure, sure, sure. Well, the difference is that is based on the short story by Richard Matheson, who's brilliant. Um, what's the Will Smith? Well, the Omega Man. Um, I am Legend. I am Legend, right? Mm-hmm. Omega Man. Uh, House uh, Haunting of Hill House. Oh sure. Um, he's a wonderful horror novelist. I don't think Richard Matheson was on cocaine though when he was writing. God damn it! You beat me to it. I was going to say I'm pretty <laughs> sure Richard Matheson also wasn't a cokehead. <laughs> yeah, and it's too bad. I I would love more insight into what Stephen King was thinking. Clearly, I'm sure he would as well. But if he was thinking, I need to do more Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Uh, all right. So, yeah, uh, how do we get through this? So, do we need to do cocaine? Is that how we get through this podcast? <laughs> Suddenly, Todd and Casey are talking a lot faster. <laughs> They're going really fast. Uh, let's back up for a second. I am a casual consumer of the horror genre. You, on okay. the other hand, are a big fan of horror. Sure. I'm a big fan of film. Sure. Yes. Okay. Great. Um, this horror movie. Yeah falls into a particular trope of horror. And I feel Ugh. like you can start to separate them. So this is the, you know, the besieged survivors trope. 100%. So, I mean, they copy even the setting in, you know, decades later in Legion. The only difference here is, is that there's nobody in the group that doubts sure. what's happening. Pat Hingle is wishy-washy on it, but not long enough. Yeah, listen, yes, that, those are, but in, in grand str- strokes, right, you've got this horror trope of these trap survivors. Mm-hmm. So I think of movie Legion. I think all the way back to Night of, the original Night of the Living Dead. 100%. Trap survivors. Um, it's an interesting trope. You know, it's different from the tropes of, so you referenced Gerald's Game. Mm-hmm. That's almost like survival against. Nope, survival. Just survive, survival right? There's, and it, it can go yeah. anywhere from Gerald's game to uh misery. Mm-hmm. Misery borderline is yeah. torture horror because yeah, yeah, but um no what um, I'm thinking is um uh Blair Witch. Blair Witch is found footage, but it is also survival. They're lost in the woods. Sure. Oh, you know what? Even Friday the thirteenth, right? They're essentially a Friday the thirteenth is slasher through and through. So I'm not talking like genre. I'm talking about like structure pieces, right? This idea of like the, um, you've got this group of people trying to survive huddled in a location as something is assaulting them but from outside. Friday the thirteenth, they're never huddled together, so that doesn't work. They, oh, no, no, work. they're all separated for most of them. I mean, they're warned by the weird, creepy guy. What's the character's name in Cabin in the Woods? The Harbinger. The Harbinger, yeah. Their blind eyes see nothing of the horrors to come. Their ears are stopped. They are the gods' fools. Well, that's how it works. Cleanse them. Cleanse the world of their ignorance and sin. Bathe them in the crimson of... Am I on speakerphone? No, absolutely not. Speakerphone, no. No, I wouldn't do that. Yes, I am. I I can hear the echo. Oh, my God. You're right. Hang on one second. I'll take you off. That's rude. I don't know who's in the room. Fine. There. You're off. Thank you. Don't take this lightly, boy. It wasn't all by your numbers. The fool nearly derailed the invocation with his insolence. The ancient ones see everything, and they will not be... I'm still on speakerphone, aren't I? (laughs) Oh my god, Mordecai! I can't believe it, it did it again. So I was thinking in broad strokes, and again, tropes more than genres, Mm -hmm. so not like the slasher bit, but like the idea of the trapped survivor. There's other movies that are about like reaching a destination. So I think of like 28 Days Later. Sure. Where the horror, you know, you've got to pass through something. I don't know. I thought, uh, listen, that's, that random musing was more interesting than this entire movie. Yes. Um, but let's, uh, let's introduce characters. Let's, let's find our core group here. Because this is going to be the whole, I mean, this is 90% of the movie is 
the survivor dynamic, mm-hmm. but without the in, anything interesting in the survivor right. dynamic. Right. Um, so yeah, the waitress gets attacked by the uh, um, the the electric knife, knife, which just if movies are taught us everything. Whoever designed the electric knife was an idiot. Like, it always ends badly when that thing's around. That's right. That's right. So everyone gets hurt. There's a lot of people in this movie. Do you recognize the arcade guy? Yeah, Giancarlo Esposito. fucking Gus Frank. (laughs) It's Gus. That's right. Yeah. Also, Uh, so it's, it's not Giancarlo. It's Giancarlo. Oh, John, which I didn't know until he was on uh, Mark Barron's podcast, and he said, oh, and, I went, "And I like rewound it again, rewound it again." I'm like, "It's Giancarlo? Giancarlo? You're like, I've been saying <laughs> oh it wrong." God, Bart's teacher is named Krabappel. I've been calling her Crandall. Why didn't someone tell me? Oh, I've been making an idiot out of myself. Total that guy actor, Handy, the truck driver, the. In fact, the driver of the Green Goblin. What I mean, you know, you know who he always reminds me of is um, Charles uh, uh, from Alien Three. Charles, hang on, hang on. Alien Three. Oof. Charles Dance. Charles oh, Dance. you mean Tywin Lannister? No. Oh no, no, no. I'm sorry. At Charles. Maybe his last name isn't Charles. Yeah. Oh, Charles. Charles Dutton. S. Dutton. Charles S. Dutton. Rock. They've got that. Yeah. Oh, they've got that same kind of stature and demeanor to them like they yeah. could play brothers in a movie yeah that that's fair so frankie Faison, he's totally a that guy actor um your age might dictate where you know him from <laughs> uh he is the landlord of eddie murphy and arsenio hall in coming to america yeah, right uh he is i believe he is the orderly in in silence of the lambs the the one that is deferential to Dr. Lecter. He's the one who gets his at face the mental institute. Off. No, he is the one where Dr. Lecter's being held. You've got the smarmy doctor who's running the place. Yeah, William Head. Yeah. Yes, William Head. Barney is the orderly as Clarice is actually like going in. He's the Barney is deferential to Dr. Lecter. If I remember right, Dr. Lecter doesn't mess with him because Barney's respectful. Who's the one that gets beaten to death with the Billy Club? That's at the end of the yeah. movie after they've moved Dr. Lecter out of the hospital. Oh, right. They're it's, holding it's him. Different orderlies. You're right. It's not even orderlies. It's like he's under the Is it police. He's under like the DOJ oh. because the senator's daughter pulled him or the senator pulled him for the deal to find it, her daughter. Right. That's down in the. Yeah. In the they're not. Per- yeah. Barney. Yeah. So, I mean, he's totally a that guy actor. As soon as you see him, you're like, oh, yeah. He's got. Uh, 124 actor credits, no relation to Donald Faison. Nope. I, I looked yes. that up. Um, uh, Pat, you mentioned Pat Hingle, Commissioner Gordon, <laughs> Commissioner Gordon in the Keaton Batman, uh-huh. in the in the Burton verse. Uh, yep, Emilio Estevez. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's Emilio Estevez. <laughs> it's Emilio Estevez. And do you know who Connie is? As you know, we've inherited quite a budget crunch from President Trump. How bad is it, Secretary Van Houten? We're broke. The country is broke? How can that be? Yes. Yes. In fact, I pointed out to Joe, uh, and it's always odd to hear her using her voice normally. Because it's pretty much Lisa. Because you can hear if she... Yeah. 
if she just turns it up a little bit, there it is. Well, she spends most of the movie screaming her head off. <laughs> yeah, she really does. And then that got me thinking, she must be in The Legend of Billie Jean, right? With Helen Slater? Isn't she the younger? Yes. I think she is. She's in that, and then she's also in uh, As Good As It Gets. She's in As Good As It Gets? Yeah, after after Greg Kinnear gets beaten up, she's the right. one who comes in and is like, I, I was told to use cue cards because this would be easier. And then she's like, <laughs> you're <right>. broke. <laughs> Which just starts crying uncontrollably. <laughs> and he, and he's, uh, he's consoling he's her. Console- yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So let's see. We've talked about four other movies in the movie we're here to talk about. Uh, yeah. Combat, exploration, and roleplay. These are known as the three pillars of play that make every game of Dungeons & Dragons exciting, tense, and rewarding. But we believe there's another pillar to the world's greatest role-playing game, and that fourth pillar is creation. Are you a dungeon master who has always wanted to create your own monsters? Execute your own adventures, design your own challenges, spells, classes, and lineages? That is what we here at the Fourth Pillar of Play, a Night Shift radio production, are doing. Learning game design by designing games. We are not professionals. We are enthusiastic amateurs, just like many of you. So join us as we review and discuss information by professional game designers and put theory into practice by creating new worlds, new monsters, and new opportunities for heroic players. I'm Josh. And I'm Talon. Join us at the fourth pillar of play, available wherever you download your podcasts or visit us at www.fourthpillarofplay.com. And we look forward to creating with you. Hello, I'm M. And I'm Eyes. And welcome to our brand new podcast, Tipples and Tolkien. Let us be your guides as we return to Middle Earth this fall with the premiere of the new Amazon show, Rings of Power. We'll discuss episodes with you, tell tales of old and even bring you a brand new tipple recipe every week to enjoy. You can find us on all major podcast platforms, as well as Twitter, which is at TipplesTolkien, that is T-I-P-P-L-E-S-T-O-L-K-I-E-N, and Instagram, at TipplesAndTolkien. So cozy up, pour yourself a drink, and come on a journey with us this fall on Tipples and Tolkien. Here's the problem. It becomes the siege really quickly, but then nothing happens. Yeah, like the siege sets, and then there's a good 40 minutes of just fucking around. So here's, in my mind, if you're going to do this trope of the trapped survivors, Mm -hmm. you've got three, in my mind, there's three different ways to make the story interesting. Mm -hmm. First is you come up with some interesting or clever tactics or action sequences as they are besieged. Mm Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen here. No. <laughs> the, the truck's driving a circle. <laughs> so we're not doing that. Two, you learn something new about the, the world building, right? The, the world we're in, something about why the machines are alive or why they hate us, why God hates his creations and has sent the angels like in Legion, right? Mm-hmm. So that's another way. No, that doesn't happen here. No, it does not. Or three, you have to have a an interesting exploration of the psychology of the trapped survivors, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where you have to create the the drama, right? Like them turning on themselves. 
that doesn't happen either. Uh, like for a hot second, and then it just is gone. <laughs> sure, sure. Not it's for not the, even resolved. It is just gone. Yeah, not for the what hour ten that they spend like trapped in there. I would I would uh, dovetail onto that to make it interesting that they are trapped. You have to have some sort of beyond we need to leave reason for them to leave. Someone needs to be injured. There needs to be like yeah. like I'm thinking that just weirdly the only thing that came to my head was Con Air. The reason they need to land the plane is because uh, uh, Bubba, whatever his name is, yeah, right, Michael Bubba T. From, Williamson, yeah, yeah, needs his insulin. So okay, sure. have someone not. And this like they're making fucking sandwiches at one point, and I'm like, there are murderous trucks circling right there. Can we have some yeah. sense of urgency? You know, for for a minute, we get a little bit of drama when the jeep with the M60 mounted on it pulls up, and that's when Hendershot Pat Hinkle gets killed, and a few other of the survivors. Is that where the waitress gets killed? With my favorite moment yeah, in the movie. Yes, yes. You can! We made you! But it's the second time she does that. Like, like the first time she survives, and then she does it again and is killed. Oh, it's, it's the first time that's so funny, because it is just like... Behind the scenes, she's like, hey, Stephen, can I, can I get a bump before I, uh, before I do the scene? <laughs> oh, no. I would disagree, but I think you could be right. I mean, that's the truth. You're right. There's a, there's a couple little hints of tension, but nothing remotely close to filling, you know, an hour of this movie. There's not even sexual tension. Like, literally, Emilio Estevez meet and there, and like that first scene out, out in the yard, like he's like, Hey, you know, this has a uh, sleeper in the back of it. It just, did, did you think that they, like she was going to see him? Like, did you think that they knew each other already? Uh, n- Jesus, maybe the first time I watched it, but yeah, sure. You know, yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. this before. So no, but I, I, I also love the one moment of logic in this thing. Like when he's comforting her and he goes, if I put my arm around you, would you stick me with that thing? She goes, You don't stick a person with a spade razor. Yeah, thank you. Because <laughs> right. yeah. I'm, I'm going to write the note, forgetting that she says that. I'm like, You can't stick someone with a straight razor. It has a dull end. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> but she, she fixed that for me. Thank you. You know, at various points, we get little tiny drips of information about the larger world from radio broadcasts, which, again, reminded me of like Night of the Living Dead. Sure, um, sure. I mean, which, but, but why would the machines leave that open? Yeah. Why, is or a, the aliens or whatever. Radio not is, machi- yeah. It, again, it's a, whether it's inspired by dual or something else, uh, you know, I, this feels like, <laughs> this feels like an idea for a story that somehow gets made into a 98 minute feature film or a, like I, like you said, this would have been so much better if this was a 45-minute short film. Yeah. 
Or cut. he needed a third act. I mean, there's, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> no, they're just, they're, I don't want any more maximum overdrive. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. What did you think about Connie and Kurt? Uh, I mean, because I, I, I kind of fucking love them. <laughs> I mean, like when she first came on and was screaming so much, I was like, oh, this is going to get old. But the fact that she was always at this level with everything she did, I was like, it's a choice and I got to respect it. It's funny. Yeah. She was funny. Like Yardley Smith, whether she intended to be funny in this movie or not, is hilarious. Yeah. The, you know, so how familiar are you with Neil Gaiman's? Um, Sandman work? No? Oh, Vaguely. So good. Vaguely. So, uh, issue six. So his run on the Sandman is wonderful. Um, uh, towards the, the first, the, the beginning of his series, uh, there's a, there's a store, essentially a horror story set in a diner. I think it's issue six mm. called 24 hours. Um, Dr. Destiny, cause it's in the DC universe, of course. Dr. Destiny has acquired um, Morpheus's Dreamstone. I don't know Dr. Destiny. I know Dr. Fate. Nope. But Dr. I know Destiny, Dr. Was a, he was a, he had this Destiny Stone. He was like a, uh, like an alchemist kind of, it's uh, the, no. the, the Neil Gaiman stuff is, is phenomenal. Uh, so, Issue number six, 24 hours, is essentially Dr. Destiny, who is, think of him, he's got this Destiny Stone, which almost is like the reality gem from the MCU, mm-hmm. and is using it to trap some survivors, you know, trap this small group in a diner as he kind of mentally torments and tortures them. That is a fact. Oh, so he's a villain. Oh, yeah, he's a villain. He's a villain. Uh, okay. Uh, that is, or he's, doc- I'm sorry, Dr. D, Dr. D. Is he does that name familiar to you? I mean, he's a okay. Nope. Any in any event, the only I mean, I mean there. I mean, you could just look at Batman's Rogues Gallery, and there are easily eight doctors I can think of right offhand. Yeah, he goes way back. He first appeared in Justice oh, wait, League. I want to do it. Sixty-one. Oh, I want to do it. Here we go. Mister Freeze is actually a doctor. Uh, Poison Ivy is a doctor. Harley Quinn is a doctor. Uh, Scarecrow is a doctor. Uh, let's see who else. Uh, uh, Dr. Hugo Strange. Uh, Mampat is a doctor. Kirk Langstrom. Dr. Kirk Langstrom. Uh, uh, maybe I can only get seven. <laughs> that's I got seven. Um, that's a big class at Evil Doctor I mean, School. <laughs> um, well, in any event, that that if you've never read it, and I've got uh, so. The I've got I think all of the trade paperbacks of Sandman. I'll loan you this one. The first one, okay. uh, Nocturnes and uh, was like not Nocturnes and Dreamscapes is the Preludes and Nocturnes is a brilliant run, um, and that that issue number six is how you tell a horror story set in a diner. I much I'd, I'd rather talk about that comic for the rest of this episode than than and talk about the not to be little. Not to be little Neil Gaiman at all. He is a fantastic writer, but he prob I bet you probably part of that is seeing Maximum Overdrive and going, no, 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 no. This is how you do it. Like listen, uh yeah, listen, I mean like there are there are multiple times where there have been bad movies that then someone, whether it's an actual remake, 
which I know we're just starting season three of Patreon, but maybe season four is remakes. We do the original and then the remake. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's a great idea. That would be fun. Yeah. Okay, let's uh, keep okay. that in the hopper. But, like, you know, you look at a lot of stuff like that that's, that, like, you're like, oh, if you just done this and then whether you see a remake or you see a movie that's kind of like, you're like, oh, you clearly saw this movie and wanted to fix the bad thing that happened in that film. Yeah, yeah. Listen, the or Neil Gaiman is just a really good writer and wrote a. Diner no, he, scene. he's yeah. Well, first of all, he's a brilliant writer. So, um, oh yes, yeah. Like I said at the beginning, I'm yeah. not negating. No, Neil and, and again, I, I'm, I'm sure it's 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 uh, again that's a that's a well settled trope, right? The survive the besieged survivors. Uh, they're just the problem, and this is the thing. I mean, like we could talk about what happens, but there's there's nothing interesting that happens once they're there. I mean, the M60, the machine gun, you know, killing some people like forces them into further defensiveness, but that's about it. Barely. It kills Pat Hingle and the, and the waitress. And then one other (laughs) kills the guy. That was my favorite one. Right. before that happened, the guy that just walks out in a green shirt that we have not seen the entire film. Cause what the hell's going on in here? And then he gets blown away. I was like, oh, you're just a stunt guy. Got yeah. It. Yeah. I mean. And he gets squibbed. He, does, he gets squibbed for he real. Does. Uh, I mean. Squibs. Ooh, let's talk about squibs. Uh, James Kahn has famously said he had no idea how painful it was going to be in The Godfather. But it's, in the middle of the shot, he just was like, I got to get through this because he didn't want to do it again. He said it was incredibly oh. painful. It, they're incredibly painful because it's a small explosion happening right here, sure, <laughs> or here or wherever they are. Yeah, and they're also incredibly dangerous. That's why most "quote unquote" squibs today are uh, CG. Interesting. You look at the you look at the uh, the Expendable movies. It's all CG squibs. No kidding. Yeah, it, very rarely do you see an actual squib anymore. Huh. Interesting. Um. Yeah, that guy gets lit up. I mean, so they end up with a plan. They're going to sneak out through these drain pipes. Bill, Emilio Estevez. Uh, but not before refilling the tanks? Yeah. Why? What? Yeah. So apparently the the M60 is holding them hostage and starts beeping in Morse code, which Deke, the little league kid who's made his way to the diner, can decode. Whose dad is run over horribly. That's right. Um, Deke decodes the the Morse code, and basically the trucks are telling them that they will not be harmed, but they need to be fed. And in this weird kind of like endurance montage in which they're clearly spending hours refilling trucks... They empty all of the diesel fuel from the the gas station. Mm-hmm. So I guess they're done. Oh, wait, no. Here comes a tanker trailer to refill. Like, and why? magically, Emilio knows how to hook that up. Like, that's not just a plug. In, it's not like when you put a nozzle in your gas tank. <laughs> right. There's like a specific way that has to go sure, on. right? And he's like, I got this. That's, no, but, no. Yeah, and, but why? Like, it, like, doing that doesn't doesn't do anything to advance the story. I mean, it's another scene, so I guess it fills time. No, that's all it is. It's filler. But even, like, the element of that plot, like, the idea that the trucks want to be fed, uh, again, this might be interesting, this might be a bit of world building, but it doesn't go anywhere. We don't do anything with it. It just fills a little bit of time before they escape. 
So Bill's plan is he's heard about a uh, an island where there's no cars and no cars are allowed. It's so small. There's no cars allowed. Right. Yeah. So they're going to take a boat to get there. And of course, <laughs> there. Go ahead. Do you want to say it? <laughs> he says they're going to take a sailboat, which he's half right. <laughs> to get a to get a sailboat out of the harbor, you have to use. Wait for it. Wait. A fucking motor. <laughs> right, right. You can't just pop sails up and be like, boop, 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 we're free. And also, did you catch in the shot where they're going away in the boat? The sails are down. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, it's not. Yeah. Because he's, because he's, he's, I, oh my God. Yeah. It's <sighs> so. How about the, how, wait, how about the, the Bible salesman? Oh, yeah. Can we, can we spend a minute on that guy? Because yeah. he's great. Uh, okay. Is he? Yeah, he knows what movie he's in. He 100% knows what movie he's in. Mm, okay. He's having a grand old time just being big and smarmy and... Oh, my God. Is that Christopher Murney? Oh, my God. I knew... He looked familiar. He has hair in this. I am familiar... He has hair and... Well, I'm familiar with him as Eddie Arcadian in Barry Gordy's The Last Dragon with starring yep. Tymac. Uh... Who you met, right? You I, met Time. I totally did at the Hartford Comic Con a few years ago. Best twenty dollars I've ever spent. <laughs> oh, show enough. Oh, show enough. The Shogun of Harlem. I would have rather watched that movie than this movie. Yeah, well, I've never seen that movie, oh, so I can't comment. It's a better movie. Uh, listen, you you could put any movie out in front of me right now, and I'd probably say, "Yeah, that's a better movie." Now, I want to spend a minute on a trope. Okay. He's yelling and screaming, doesn't somehow doesn't realize that the uh truck is backing up towards him. Yeah, yes. Everyone is everyone is at least uh, has got at least 80% hearing loss. No yeah, one's anything. Yeah. It's all those loud planes in Wilmington. I don't know. Yeah. Um so Amelia goes to save him. He pushes Amelia out of the way when he realizes it. So good for you to have, yeah. but then instead of like, I don't know, doing a cool barrel roll or something. He doesn't do he a serpentine. Start, no, he just runs straight back away from him. Like, the the truck is going in backwards in a straight line. <laughs> That's, You're, right. That's right. The worst example of that is Prometheus. Yes, yes, yes. With How the wheel, Charlie Theron gets crushed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, Charlie's start running to the left. <laughs> it's, oh, boy. Yeah, I, so... Uh, what else? I mean, hang on. Let me look through my notes. I I just can't believe. Let's go back to Gus Frank. Let's go back to sure. Giancarlo Esposito sure. for a second. Sure. I was like, like at first, I was like, oh, good for him. He's not getting his ass handed to him by stuff. Then he gets electrocuted, and then he's just dead. Yep. Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, <laughs> I didn't know Giancarlo Esposito until did you? You never watched Homicide, right? No, no, I remember so, that it was a thing, but no. So, Homicide, the main players on it were Andre Brower. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Yapit Kodo. Sure. Um, and um, Kyle, I can't think of his last name, was his partner. It was kind of them, and then there was the rest of the team. Oh, um, stand up comedian who's been on uh, Law and Order for years, got tinted glasses. Richard uh, Belzer. Richard Belzer, his okay. character Munch was on there, and then oh, so that's the same over. universe. Okay, yeah, that's all the same universe. Uh, 
the homicide set in Baltimore. Got it. And uh, and then there were like a couple second string, and then there were people like we never really followed, but were just on the task force, and you would just get little scenes with them once in a while. And that was Giancarlo Esposito, uh-huh. uh, Melissa. Uh, she played Amy uh, Adams' mom in The Fighter, Melissa Leo. Oh, she's great. <laughs> and um, the main actor, she was in uh, Rescue Me. She was uh, Dennis Leary's uh, a brother's wife that he was uh, uh, in the whole show. Okay. Yeah. So uh, those three went on to, yeah. you know, bigger careers. And Andre Brower, I mean, yeah, Kyoto's dead, so we can't really. How dare you? A little respect, please. <laughs> I just said he's dead. I didn't say I wasn't like he's dead and he well should stay that way. You know, he's dead. Got it. Um, but like aside from Andre Brower, none of the rest of them like, boy, you really uh you banked on the wrong actors. Yeah. Holy cow. Holy cow. When they were using the uh the rocket launcher, the, yeah. So first of the, all, that, that uh yeah, so that's a law. That's a light anti-tank weapon. Uh, it's shoulder-fired, despite the way it's fired every time in this movie. It's not hip-fired. You put it on your shoulder, and it's got yeah, a Yeah, you up. use the sight, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I think, I mean, not not for, just for general, like, aim here. <laughs> it's not like a scope. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I think Pat does it because he's missing the pinky on that side. I don't think you want to. Oh, interesting. Yeah, you can really see it uh, right after that scene when they're picking stuff up. Real quick, Pat goes like this, and you're like, Yo, he's missing Ooh. a he's missing a pinky. Oh, holy cow! They blew up that one truck. I went. I, I just wrote, "Oh my god!" All that toilet paper. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, the 2020 lens came. I'm like, wait, we could use that. Oh, that's funny. Um, you know, I found some other quotes by Stephen King. I mean, is that interesting? I don't know. Sure, go ahead. What else you got? Uh, so I think you sh- I, did you share them? That? I'm sorry, I made this movie. Uh, did you share this one already? When asked why he hasn't directed a movie since, yes, I did. Yeah. Have uh, you seen Maximum Overdrive? Got it. Um, Which is said, the reason this movie is called Maximum Overdrive because Brett says it. I have no idea. Uh, here's a good one. In the movie trailer, Stephen King said he decided to direct the film himself after writing several because he wanted to see Stephen King done right. "Quote: If you want it done right, you have to do it yourself." End quote. Except, <laughs> well, when you're on all the cocaine, all of the cocaine. Oh, yeah. Um, was so okay. So first, uh, I, I really love that. Right after the whole, the truck tries to get them and it explodes. Uh, uh, Billy and Brett decide oh, it's the end of the world. It's time to go fuck. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. And the line, oh, so gross. I'll tell you one thing. What's that? You sure make love like a hero. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Gross. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, and then a couple scenes later, they're all in the diner when the power's been cut together. Is 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 Curtis fingering Connie underneath his coat? Oh, because I his hands not. on there and it's moving around and she's like, woohoo. Yeah, I'm like, oh my guys, oh. go find a room. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 
Oh. Pat Engel was great in this movie. Like he yeah. plays the asshole really well. He does. He does. Uh, I mean, yeah. Well, listen. Okay, so wait, got... wait. Let's talk about the truck filling scene real quick because okay, we can sure. end the movie there. Sure. They clearly have grenades, right? Yes. Yeah. We have to assume that the trucks, if these trucks have like a way to quote unquote see, it's through the headlights. Right or their rear view mirrors, which again move on their own, and they are manual mirrors. I, the, the truck moves it when uh, when uh, Brett is talking to Billy. It moves to, to see them. I'm like, it's not mechanical. I I love you trying to make sense of this. <laughs> this is why didn't they the hole for a for a diesel truck tank? Yeah, is big enough to fit, say, a grenade, which sure. they have. A shit ton of sure because uh, oh. Hendershot it w- apparently had a little armory there, right? Oh yeah, he's a bunker boy, one hundred percent bunker boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So I just so they escape. The trucks destroy the rest up out of what desperation? I, y- what is yes, the reason behind them going mark? after it? I, yeah. Yeah, who who it, it, knows? Except who the knows? only the only truck that doesn't do that is the good old Green Goblin truck that follows them. <laughs> yes, like knows that they're going to the marina a mile away as they're taking back roads. It's God, yeah, and I, so the last stand is it just barreling towards them, and he fires at it. And I'm like, why the hell didn't you do that an hour ago? Right? Yeah, where were <laughs> Where was this plan an hour ago? Yeah. Green Goblin's destroyed, and they all live ever after. Quote, unquote, sail away, because the sails aren't up. So you know how bad of a movie it is. Not only did we start with that ridiculous opening text, we get closing text. So this one says, two days later, a large UFO was destroyed in space by a Russian weather satellite, which happened to be equipped with a laser cannon and class four nuclear missiles. Approximately six days later, the Earth, beyond the tail of Ray M, passed beyond the tail of Ray M, exactly as predicted, the survivors of the Dixie Boy are still survivors. That's the ending? What does that mean? The survive? Of course they're the survivors. They survived it. Uh, Listen... Yeah, I, you're I always a survivor. Like, sure, it's like the old uh, the trick question: uh, if a plane crashes on the New York and Pennsylvania border, where do you bury the survivors? Yeah, uh, listen, uh, you don't. The, <laughs> you the, don't bury the, the survivors. They survive. The fact that that's how it closes uh, <laughs> is just ridiculous. I just wish after that, like Stephen King had kind of like come into frame and gone. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the that's the text at the end and movie. Movie. Cue the ACDC. <laughs> so, so, so we let Chuck and Shannon and Colin know that we picked this ahead of time. Yes, yes, we did. And Chuck's like, they are members of the five. They are. And he's like, oh, it's a killer score. And I, and I agree with him. I'm like, right. It's ACDC. But they only do like two or three numbers in the whole damn movie. Uh, or 
are they doing? I, all the, there's a lot are of they doing it. all the instrumental stuff too. Mm, there's a lot of ACDC songs in there. I just I always I only clock it when um, oh shit, what's his name? The original singer of ACDC. Um, Bon Scott. Yeah, like the the original. Yeah, that's who's singing there. Brian John. Is that Brian John? Oh, is Brian, that Brian John is the guy that he's the one we know now. The who made who? That that high raspy. That's yes, uh, Brian Johnson. Sorry, uh, yeah, yeah. He's he's Brian the Johnson. one who uh, who dresses in like prep school boy uh, outfits when he's performing. No, that's Angus Young, their guitar player. Uh, Brian Johnson does it too. Uh, no, he no, he's got the cap. He wears the I cap. He also wore the. I, I, no, no. My limited knowledge yeah. of ACDC is a couple of times they've shown up in movies. I have covered ACDC in uh, one of the, uh, in fact, I think the first band I ever played mm-hmm. in, uh, we covered, oh, I don't even, jeez. Uh, and not like one of their big songs, but yeah. Uh, Highway to Hell. I mean, ACDC is like, no, no. I mean, I like, that not was, anything remotely. That was a joke. <laughs> Like got it, got it, got it. that is the song you think of when you think of ACTC is I went to hell. <laughs> it's certainly one of them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, ACDC's well-placed. Well, hang on. I don't want to give away my, <laughs> I don't want to give away my, all right. Oh. Hey Casey, we have some questions that we've got. Yeah, we sure do. Todd, who was your favorite character? Ooh, my favorite character. Oh, I know. ACDC. Is this going to be the motorcycle? Uh, listen, that was the best part of this movie is the soundtrack. AC uh, I gotta say, Connie. Connie had me smiling every like, especially since <laughs> okay. she turned me around. Like that first thing, I was like, oh, is Yardley Smith in more of this movie? I can't remember. I I hope not. But that and so when right, they right. pulled up to the and then when they're like when their car flipped when they tried to get in, I was like, oh, okay, now she's dead. Oh no, she's still alive. Got it. Uh, but uh hey Casey. Oh that's oh. fine. Yeah, Yardley Smith. Okay. Uh, hey, Casey, mm-hmm. what is the best scene? The bridge. The bridge scene. Because <laughs> it is so... Okay, yep. It is It is like cocaine on the screen. It's just... It keeps going and is so frenetic and so crazy and just st- shit keeps happening to the point where you're just like, not this much stuff can fit on one bridge. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, for uh-huh. me, it's, it's actually the... Um, the one thing that I laughed at in the movie is when Deke's little league coach is killed by the soda machine in a series of shots, first to the groin, you know, ending with a coup de gras to his head, which like it fractures his skull. Uh, but that's funny for what it is. I also like in that, in that same scene, the build to it with, uh, you know, he gets hit in the, in the balls twice and that all his, sure. the little leagues are laughing and then he gets hit in the head yeah. and then they're getting scared and then start shooting cans at them. And clearly they're empty cans when they're being thrown at the kids. Cause you can't throw soda cans at a child, but the one kid, stupid labor, <laughs> there's one yeah. kid that gets hit in the back and there's like a two second delay of him going, Oh wait, I got hit. I got to fall. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like oh the eighties when you couldn't shoot more than one or two of these wide shots. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, uh, Todd, what's one scene you would cut? Oh my god, you got to cut like fifty-five minutes out of the siege. Like, there's. There, I, I remember just thinking, oh my god, they're still in the diner and nothing's happening. I don't give a fuck. Like that is painful, painful. They cut the romance. 
I'd cut all of it. Like sure. have them flirt. Sure. Have them like, and have it be like, kind of assume that when they get out of this, they are totally DTF, but not sure. the middle of it all. At least there'd be some stakes right. there, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 That's fair. Hey, Casey, who's the actor having the most fun? Was anyone having fun with a coked out director? Yes. Yes. One person was having fun. One actor was having Carlo fun. Giancarlo Esposito, because he probably worked for a day. Stephen King. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, he is an actor. He is loving that little cameo. He's having a great okay. time. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. I'll take it. I'll take that too. <laughs> All right. So All right. So uh you may remember the the IMDB score for this movie was a five point five out of ten. Oh Casey, what say you? Three. Yeah, sure. I mean, if I have to grade it, yeah, sure. Three, Three two. There four, were a couple fun. There were a couple fun moments, but it was, it was, it was like you get your favorite ice cream with whatever favorite filling it has in it, and you make a scoop of it, and it's got like two pieces. In it, like there's two <laughs> yummy pieces, yeah, and the rest is just sure. blah, regular plain ice cream. Yeah, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> that is come fair. Up with for this terrible film, that's fair. Uh, dad's well, breakdown. So I watch it with Joe. It's pretty obvious what your dad's breakdown is for you. No, I wouldn't show. Yeah. I wouldn't subject the bean to this. I mean, it is a rated R movie. It um, weirdly pulls his punches. Yeah, it almost feels like it's barely an R. Like I feel like there's there must be a couple of fucks. There's one right at the beginning. <laughs> Fuck you, right oh, in the sure. stream. Oh sure, in text, yeah. Uh, there's no, there's no nudity. There's no nudity. There's the blood. I mean, the blood. I mean, the little. League, actually, there's another part I laughed at when the little leaguer gets run over by the the steamroller. I mean, that's just funny. That's oh, funny. you know what? Uh, let me go back. I'd also cut the dog with the. Uh, with the police car in its mouth. What the fuck? The toy police Steven? car. That was yeah. out of line. Even Joseph was like, oh, a dog? I was like, yeah, I don't no. know. When dogs, <laughs> when, when animals are hurt in movies, I'm I'm out. You're out. Yeah. That, sure, that's another reason to be out of this. Yes. Mm-hmm. That too. Yeah. Yes. A hundred percent. So we're not going to pick the next movie. Uh, stay tuned no. to our YouTube channel for that. We'll do another video for that. If I could ever get yep. the other video to fucking work right. So, uh, uh, TSPHC Special Forces, thank you again right. for subscribing to Patreon for us. Uh, again, look out for the uh, YouTube channel. That will have the information for the next movie, so you'll be ready to to listen to our review after watching it. Though, honestly... Don't watch this movie. If you if you if you have spared yourself not watching it yet, if you want to like listen to what we have to say, well, I will wholeheartedly say right now, do not watch this movie. Find find <laughs> duel. Or at least don't blame yeah. it on us. Don't blame it find, on us. Find duel. Watch duel. Duel duel's the better. <laughs> fucking watch watch uh oh shit. Hang on. Let me think of it. I'm not gonna think of it. Hang on. I actually do want to recommend that this is a great horror movie. 
Nah, there it is. Uh, instead of watching this, if you can't find Duel, <laughs> yeah, watch Joyride. Joyride. With I feel Paul like, Walker, oh. Steve Zahn, Lily Sobieski. Wow. And voicing. So the whole thing is that uh, Paul Walker goes to pick up his degenerate uh, older brother, played by Steve Zahn. And yep. they're going to drive co- cross country to go pick up Lily Sobieski. They stop at one uh, rest stop, and Steve Zahn has a CB radio put in the truck. And they fuck oh, with a truck driver. Yes. And you know who does the Rusty uh, Nail, you know who right. does the voice? Er, it's it's Ted Levine. So the whole movie is no he, way. He talks like this. Candy Cane. Come on. Come on, Candy Cane. Seriously? Yeah, it's yeah. fucking terrifying. Ted Levine, yeah. Holy In fact, shit. Uh because he's never really seen on the DVD extras they show all the other people who were gonna do it. Uh Eric's Eric uh, uh, Roberts was one of them. Robert? Oh, no, I was like, wait a minute. Hang on. Stop right there. No. <laughs> oh. like, I can think of uh, a ton of actors that would do a better job than fucking Eric Roberts. <laughs> wow. Holy cow. Uh, all right. So, go, yeah, go watch uh, Joyride. Don't watch this. Don't, I mean, I don't guess watch this. if you, you know what, if you are a Stephen King fanatic, and you, you know, I feel like this is actually a pretty good insight to his mental state. Like this is, this is shit product. Um, and I think this is what he was, you know, this is where his head was at. So I think, what, you, you know, people, if you're interested in Stephen King, maybe it's interesting. I think when people say, I don't like Stephen King, this is the shit that they, they know, sadly, like, uh, I mean, I don't think so. I mean. If you, if and you most of an age, then you remember it. And, you know, Emilio Estevez was a star sure. at this point. And but, to be fair, like, I mean, most movie adaptations of Stephen King books are shit. Yeah. Especially when you get into the horror stuff. Like, I think the best Stephen King adaptation. Uh, Say it. Which one? What do you Say think? it. Yeah. Stand by me. Fuck yeah, good man. I was like, yeah, hundred percent. Green Mile. <laughs> no, well, that's a close second. No, but, Shawshank, yeah. I think is better. I think Shawshank. I think oh, it, I think sure. it's it's Stand by Me, Shawshank, and then uh, the Green Mile. Those are yeah, those that's are fair. I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> those are all good things to go yeah, watch by Stephen King Stan, before you watch, watch Stand by Me. That's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, so boy, I'm glad we got the worst out of the way. But that means this we, is we we're gonna have the worst. Oh God, do you know how? Do you know how many westerns there fucking are? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. my. Uh, yeah. Believe me, I, I've already started thinking. So again, I think we shared. Y- you you consume a whole lot more horror content than I do. We're both big fans of sci- sci-fi. I consume a lot more westerns than you do, so I've already started putting together my list of suggestions. Yeah, I can, there. I can, uh, so I'm looking I forward can to think that. of good westerns. I mean, you know, Unforgiven yeah. is definitely. I mean, now that's on the list. Sure, Hell or High Water. Uh, I'll be honest; haven't seen that one yet. That's like a modern. Yeah, please. I, 
I'd wait, be hard wait, pressed. Please leave that moment of silence because <laughs> you okay. haven't seen Hell or High Water. It just oh uh, my god, Todd, what is not risen above the for. other things competing with it. No, okay. it's. I mean, it is. I mean, we know it now, but when it came out, it was the movie where I went, yeah, Chris Pine's a movie star. Like, he is yeah. so good. And um, uh, Angel from... Who's from um, oh, David Borea. No, no, no. Angel from uh, X-Men 3. Oh. Oh, that guy. Ben, ben, Wa- Foster? ben Foster. Ben Foster's yeah. phenomenal. It's so yeah. good. Yeah. Go watch that before you watch... <laughs> this so yeah. so will this should this be a continuing theme when we get to the worst western and then the worst sci-fi should we just be like hey instead of this movie here are the movies yes yes well i so um i do think that at least some of the ones we recommend you know maybe if i would hope that we would recommend <laughs> like it's one of the ones that's a contender for the best movie <laughs> You know, uh, so. best horror, you know, it, it, I wouldn't say it's the best horror, but sure. a really good, but tell me where you're headed. Really at. good horror yeah. movie. You have to like found footage, but I, I've talked its praises before and he's a Syracuse native. Willow Creek is fucking phenomenal. Uh, Bobcat Goldthwait directs it. It, it takes the found footage. And I'm not spoiling anything because all found footage, sure. they are found footage. Everyone needs to die. When that moment happens, when that moment where they realize this is the end, and in most found footage movies, Blair Witch is one of them, we're like, I'm, I'm so sorry. I can't believe we <laughs> Can I have my Oscar now? This guy is just <laughs> staring off in the middle of distance and just goes, I fucked up. And you're like, oh, oh shit, that was real. That was what your reaction would be. You wouldn't be like, yeah. I fucked up, and I'm so sorry. We're gonna die now. You no, you would just quietly, almost to yourself, I fucked up. He, well, maybe I'll have to. Uh, you know, you have mentioned that one to it, me before. And it also has an amazing, is it 17, 13 minute. N- uncut scene where they are attacked and the camera is just like this, like on them, like it is on me. It's not no going kidding. All over the place. Sure, sure, sure. It's it's a I I may go watch Willow Creek right now. <laughs> I might go watch Willow Creek right Todd, now. Todd, you will okay. not be disappointed. It's hey, so good. All right. Well hey Casey, we're gonna go separately watch some better movies. <laughs> well listen, we could put on anything and be Oh, okay. So, Todd, that was a movie? Question mark? Movie? Oof. Oh, so that'll do it for the Super Pod Hero Cast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. Be safe and be heroic. I want to add the be safe. I okay, just because great. Because we're still in the hellscape of 2020. That's right. <laughs>